It'll be a little bit like going back to school for some of you who are old like me. Uh, I am not going to try to make you think I know a lot. I'm going to try to help you. And if I make statements that are not understandable, if I use terminology, use words that I don't explain, there is going to be a question. In fact, I see it. There is a question box at the back. It's in that window on the ledge of the window. And if at the time you hear me say something that is not uh, understandable, write your question down right at that point. I'll understand if you put your head down that you're, that you're writing a question. And don't be afraid to ask questions. I'm not telling you I can answer them all, but I'll try. And maybe get some help from others as well. Now, we often hear it said, and Christians have a habit of doing this, <laughs> that evol evolution teaches that men came from monkeys. Uh, of course, you'd be insulting an evolutionist if you said that to him. Evolution does not teach that man came from monkeys. Of course, what evolution does teach is that man came from what they refer to as an anthropoid. An anthropoid just means uh, an ape-like creature. And they believe that uh, monkeys and men have common ancestors. You can say it that way, and that would be more correct. Now, I, I have to put out a couple of cautions. Uh, we, we need to be on our guard. Uh, we will not be saying this weekend that we are more intelligent than the great men who are anthropologists, paleontologists, geologists, etc. We will not be saying that. And we will not be debunking science, if you will. We will not be doing that. Many of the blessings we have, many of the comforts we know every day of our lives is because of the tremendous advance of science. We are not opposed to science. So we don't want to give anyone the impression that these men are not brilliant men, men of great intellect, men of great genius. They are. But we believe the Bible. And we don't need to make any excuses for the Bible. And we don't need to make up any theories to fit the Bible. Not even a, a, a good theory to replace a bad theory. <laughs> and so we won't be doing that. I hope you'll recognize that very clearly. Um, one, one of the problems of our time is uh, that disciplines... By disciplines, I mean areas of study, areas of investigation, areas of research. The knowledge explosion has so increased the knowledge of man that every area is a vast area all by itself. You know this has happened in medicine. Our brother won't disagree with me on this. Uh, medicine has become specialized to a very great degree. And that is right and proper because in each one of those specialties there's such a vast amount of knowledge and such a vast amount of research that a person is confined to a large degree to his own specialty. Now if that is true in medical practice, that is also true in every area of science. There is so much 
There is such a vast amount of material out there. In fact, uh, in, in most fields, in most fields of science today, if the specialists in those sciences spent 24 hours a day, 365 days a year reading, they would not cover the material that is put out in their own specialty. Can you follow that? Vast amounts of material. Therefore, what do we have? We have people who are special specialists. <laughs> they, have, they have come down to what their own field is, and it is not very common to find a specialist in one field to have a great deal of understanding in other fields. Not common. And sometimes they depend on the other specialists in the other fields to tell them about what's happening there. When it comes then to this matter of uh, creation, uh, you could ask, for instance, a um, supposing you supposing you were to go to a, a, a science teacher in school, and you were to say to the science teacher, "What is the origin of life?" <laughs> I'm doing this in a, as simple a way as I know how. Jim, you say, "How did life begin?" What's the origin of life? I was using this illustration last night. You might as well go to an auto mechanic and ask him if he had cancer. About the same thing. You see, we have all kinds of people who are making tremendous statements outside of their own field of expertise. And, and I want to assure you, I don't want to do that this weekend. I don't want to get outside of my field. I, I must confess to you that... I did take geophysics. That's what got me started on all this line of things. So it's been a lifelong interest. I just didn't come to this to uh, prepare for this weekend. <laughs> I've been at it all my days. Uh, I don't know much, but everything I do know verifies the Holy Scriptures. Everything I know substantiates what the Word of God teaches to such a degree that when I look at the subject that we are going to be looking at this weekend, you know what it does? It puts a holy awe in my soul. God is real. And all that He says in His Word is true. I hope that will be the end result of all that we try to say. <clears throat> Our faith in the Word of God does not rest on any theory. Uh, remember this, dear young people here this morning. Uh, scientific theories are a little bit like popular songs. <laughs> they have a popularity period. Uh, and if you were to trace some of the uh, great popular theories of past days. They are jokes today. Some of the things that were the assured results of science 50 years ago are now the jokes of science. In fact, 20 years uh, seems to be kind of a lifespan of many of the very, very, very popular theories that arise. For instance, the, the big theory as to the origin of the universe right now is the Big Bang. Well, of course, the Big Bang has been... Uh, has been around for a long time, but it never received such a, a popularity rating as it has in the last couple of years. And uh, that's 
if, if you if you tried to respond to the Big Bang theory from Scripture, by the time you got your argument nicely uh, put together, the Big Bang theory would have probably gone down the drain. So it isn't good for us to think that we have to meet all the theories, all the popular theories, all the going trend in in human thought, in human philosophy. Uh, but we do need to understand what the Word of God teaches. I'm not going to take you away from the Word of God. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And uh, I hope before we get done that it will be a big help to you to know that God's Word is true. <clears throat> Some have said the Bible is not a book of science. I have read that time and again in various writings, even by sometimes by sincere Christians. They say the Bible is not a book of science, therefore we don't expect to find scientific truth in the Bible. Wait a moment. This is the God who created all things. We sang, and that's one of my most favorite hymns. I didn't tell Brother Ramsey to give out that hymn. I love that hymn. Thou, Lord of all transcendent, thou life-creating Son, to worlds on thee dependent, yet bruised and spit upon. Does he not know his own universe? <laughs> he made it. What I expect to find in his word and every word of it proceeded out of the mouth of God, the Lord Jesus says, what I expect to find is he doesn't understand the science of his own world? No. The Bible is not a book on science. But there are no scientific errors in the Bible. And I don't think anyone here is going to disagree with that fact. Uh, I'm certain... I'm speaking to a company of believing Christians, but uh, we need to make that very clear. <clears throat> now, the prevailing view of science is that um, the forces that now are at work in nature, that these forces have always functioned in the way they are now functioning. That, I'll be saying that a number of times, and there will be others coming in, and I'm going to have to repeat myself a little bit from time to time in these meetings. But um, <clears throat> the shape of our Earth, what is called the topography of Earth, the mountains, the hills, the valleys, the rivers, the lakes, the oceans, the plains, everything. It is believed that all of this, was shaped and formed by the processes, by the things that are now going on. What are what are what is going on? Well, you can put it into three three titles if you want. Erosion. Erosion is by water. Erosion is by frost. Erosion is by wind. Erosion is by scouring. So you have erosion. Then you have transportation. The materials that are eroded are moved by wind, water, storm, whatever, and they are deposited in some other location. And for you, dear young people, you all know this, that the vast parts of the surface of our world 
are covered with sedimentary rock. Sedimentary just means rock that once with small particles moved by some transportation method, wind or storm or, or water or whatever, and deposited and then under pressure and heat it was solidified and became what we know as sedimentary rock. Now the prevailing view is that all of that came about by what is now happening in our world, by the ordinary changes in weather and storm and so forth. That's how it all happened. Of course, there is uh, volcanism, uh, volcanoes erupted and that sort of thing, and they will put that into their equation as well. But the main point I'm getting across to you is that it is believed that everything that we see in our world came about by what is now happening in the world. You know what the Bible says? They're willingly ignorant. That's why I read Second Peter chapter 3. This they willingly are ignorant of. You see, they say all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. This they willingly are ignorant of. And what, what, why, what are they even ignorant about? What follows is catastrophe. The tremendous catastrophes, upheavals of nature, have formed the earth as we now see it. That is not what the geologist believes in our time. As I said, I'll be coming back to that a good bit. Now, the Bible is not rejected because of evidence against it. I, I, I hope that gets in. The Bible is not rejected because of some great evidence that it cannot be believed. The Bible is rejected because men love their pride and their sin. That's also why I read Second Peter 3. In the last days shall come scoffers walking after their own lusts. I can tell you right at this first meeting, there is overwhelming evidence to believe the Bible. It is overwhelming. Here's, here's one argument that, that you cannot possibly get around. God pours out his wrath, his punishment on unbelievers. Those who do not believe his word. How many scriptures could you think of? I'm thinking of one in a very special way. Second Thessalonians chapter 1. When the Lord Jesus will descend in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a fierce judgment. Why? They're unbelievers. Now just stop. If God is going to punish people for unbelief, there must be no excuse for their unbelief. Right? No, there's no excuse for their unbelief. That's why Romans 1 and 20 says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, listen, so that they are without excuse. So God will punish people for their unbelief. Therefore, he must give them powerful evidence 
that his word is true. He has. God has done that. And that's what a weekend like this is all about. Is this necessary? This is what is called apologetics. Usually in the, in the evangelical world, they call this kind of uh, teaching apologetics. Do we need apologetics? I know lots of Christians, and they are dear Christians, and I love them. <laughs> and they think this is just a waste of time. Uh, maybe some of you will think that, too, before we go very far. Uh, they think it's totally unnecessary. After all, this is, this is God's Word. This is, this is the Bible. And um, we believe it. And we don't need anyone trying to prove to us that it's true. And if that's your feeling, I have no quarrel with you. <laughs> because I believe it's true. And I don't have any reason not to. But um, let me explain. There are the oppositions of science, falsely so-called. Paul warns Timothy about it in 1 Timothy chapter 6. <clears throat> um, it tells us in Romans 1 that men did not like to retain God in their knowledge. And God gave them up to their lies. It tells us that the natural man, this is 1 Corinthians 2 and 14, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. That verse, when I was when I was taking studies in natural science, that verse did more to help me than any verse in the Bible. Because here were brilliant men who who scoffed at Scripture, would never even refer to anything in the Bible for any cause. And yet they were very intelligent men. And I got a lot of help from that. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. Neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. They are foolishness unto him. Now that's the reason for apologetics. You see, there are, there are young people who come to their parents from school. And boys and girls in grades 3 and 4 and 5 and 6 are getting rationalistic theories of geology and biology poured into them that are totally contrary to the Bible. And boys and girls come home and they say to their parents, the teacher said, you know, what do you do to your boy or girl? Do you say, don't believe what the teacher says? Well, you can't make a statement like that because you want them to learn. <laughs> and yet, how can you answer them? You know, we need answers. Dear parents, we need answers. And there are answers. I'm always thankful that when I was when I was trying to learn this kind of thing, I'm always thankful that I had answers. I had alternatives. And I thank God for those who gave me those answers and alternatives. And dear parents, you need alternatives. You need answers for your children and your grandchildren. You need answers that will satisfy them. Now, there is a very simple illustration which I use. Whenever the Lord Jesus, with the weeping Mary and Martha, came to the grave of Lazarus, he said to the disciples, Roll ye away the stone. He didn't say, Tell Lazarus to come forth from the grave. They couldn't do that. No, we can't do that either. You know what we can do? We can roll away some stones. 
We can roll away some stones of difficulty. That's all this is. That's what apologetics is. To roll away some stones of difficulty so you can hear the word of God. I was in Gander last three weeks. Uh, this week, early this week, I was taken to Gander Center. And uh, I, I just wonder how many in this audience this morning know what Gander Center is. Uh, I tell you, I, I had heard of Gander for many, many years. It was the it was the refueling station for transatlantic flights for many many years. Little did I know, little did I know what happens at Gander Center. Uh, I know a little bit about flying airplanes, but uh, I can tell you, uh, it was an education to go into Gander Center. Uh, you see, it is actually the main. Uh, operation point for air traffic for the eastern side of this continent. There is nothing between Gander Center and New York Center. Last year, Gander Center uh, processed 3,300,000 flights. Uh, what, what do they do it with? Equipment that you scarcely believe. There, there are mainframe computers, it's true, but there are there are many many stations that are uh, tied into those mainframe computers. There are radar screens, perhaps as many as 50 of them. Uh, there are operators there 24 hours a day. Own a telephone company. They can contact any airport anywhere in the world within seconds. Uh, they showed us on radar screens as many as 5,000 airplanes in the air over one time. And while we were looking at the screens, those 5,000 aircraft were flying. And there they are, blips on the radar. The whole continent on their radar screens. Fantastic equipment. The very latest in electronics and and in radar equipment. It just happened by chance. Nobody made it. Nobody planned it. It just all came together by chance. And one day a man went in there and found all that equipment all functioning and operating and everything was working and nobody built it and nobody designed it. You wouldn't believe that for one second. And neither would I. And what is in Gander Center <laughs> is just a speck on one living human cell. And are we supposed to believe it all happened by chance? I hope you don't. Now, <clears throat> we believe in quiet creation. By quiet creation, we mean that uh, God said. And if you read Genesis 1 very carefully, you'll find that 11 times God said, and 6 times it says, and it was so. So Genesis 1 begins without an apology. 
and I don't believe it needs an apology from us. So we will take it as it is written, and we will be looking at it just the way it reads, and take the words in their proper order, in their context, without having to add anything else to them. Now, let me just give a little introductory statement here. I, uh, I'm sorry if this is getting too long, this introduction, but uh, you see, there are Siamese twins. You know what are Siamese, what Siamese twins are. It's a very great misfortune if children are born like that, if twins are born joined in some way in their bodies. Uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes uh, a surgeon or a team of surgeons, usually it is, are able to do such surgery that they can uh, disconnect them. And once in a very long time, they can save them both. Uh, sometimes they can just save one of them. And sometimes they can't save either of them. Well, there are Siamese twins. And if you try to save one, you'll lose them both. You know what they are? <laughs> Uniformity and evolution. Uniformity is that theory of geology that says that everything we find in the sedimentary rock, in these various stratum, in these various layers of rock, everything we find there was laid down by what is now going on in the world. That is called the theory of uniformity. Now, the theory of uniformity and the theory of evolution are Siamese twins. If you try to separate them, you'll kill them both. I said it that way so that it will fasten on your mind. Try to say you believe in uniformity in geology, and yet you don't believe in evolution, it's impossible. Try to say you believe in evolution and you don't believe in uniformity in geology, it's impossible. You cannot separate them. You will kill them both. And I would to God they were both dead. They aren't. In the United States of America, forgive me, that's where I live. In the United States of America, very sadly, there was a Supreme Court case. It came from the state of Louisiana. In the state of Louisiana, teachers were teaching creation alongside evolution. And uh, they, were, they were taking the court. People that didn't want their children to be taught creation uh, took the school boards to what they call appellate courts. Uh, to try to get that changed so they could not teach creation. It went through the court system of the state of Louisiana until it came to the Supreme Court of the state of Louisiana. That court did not want to make the judgment. They passed it on to the Supreme Court of the United States. This happened in 1987. So in 1987, the Supreme Court of the United States were facing an issue. Can creation be taught alongside evolution in public schools in the state of Louisiana? What was the decision? Do you know? The Supreme Court decided no. They said it was a violation 
of the uh, separation of church and state. They actually said more than that. They said much more. They said that the, the uh, non-establishment clause, I'd have to explain that to you. I was born in Canada, too, but uh, I'll have to explain this to you. The non-establishment clause is part of the amendments to the American Constitution, and the non-establishment clause says that the government of the United States cannot establish a religion. And now they're telling us that if you teach creation in schools, if you teach creation science in schools, that that is the establishment of religion. Therefore, you cannot teach it. Therefore, throughout the United States, because a decision of the Supreme Court affects every state, all 50, there is no state in the Union can teach creation along with evolution. And they all must teach the curriculum which includes evolution. In Canada, your children, your grandchildren are taught evolution in school. They are not taught evolution as a theory. They don't hear it as if it was some possible explanation of plant and animal kingdom. They are taught it as fact, without any question. There are teachers, of course, and thank God for them. There are teachers who, who although they must teach what the textbooks say, uh, they certainly interject into that. Uh, that God has created the heavens and the earth. Thank God for such teachers. But our boys and girls, and I have grandchildren, and lucky many of you here have grandchildren. Our grandchildren are being brought up in a school system where there is not only humanism put out in great doses every day of their lives, but they are taught atheistic theories that deny God. We need answers. We need to be able to give them right understanding. And I guess that's my biggest excuse for even being here. So I, I hope this will be a help. Now, <clears throat> the importance of this subject, that's my next point. I don't know if you have your outline. <clears throat> I think most of you have an outline, although I don't know if there were enough printed when I see how many are here. Um, we're, we're at the place where, I think it's number two on your outline. It is a faith issue. <clears throat> now, True science and faith don't disagree. True science. So what is science? See, we're going to have to we're going to have to have some definitions. We're going to have to know what words mean. What is the meaning of science? What is science? Let me tell you what science actually is. Science are facts that can be investigated that can be demonstrated, that can be described, and that can be repeated. 
science is fact that can be observed, examined, described, and repeated. Is that true of this geology theory I've been telling you about? Is that true of evolution? No. Therefore, I am saying, and there may be people here who will deny this, I am saying that evolution and uniformity in geology is not science. It has never been observed. It can scarcely even be described. And it certainly can't be repeated. So, if you have heard Christians say that evolution is not science, that it's just a theory, you can, you can agree. It is not science. It is just a theory. <clears throat> I have to remember this now. I was telling you about the school system in the United States. I don't think the school system in Canada is much different. If there are teachers here, you can correct me. I'm always, I'm always a learner. And if I ever quit learning, it'll be the day I go to heaven, and then I'll just start. <laughs> but... Um, I'm certain Canadian schools are teaching this kind of thing just as much as United schools, United States schools are teaching it. You know what this convinces me? This convinces me that one of the most successful tools of Satan, one of the most successful machines of Satan, you know, he's a strong man armed. And some of his greatest armor is to create an educational system where God is denied. Is that Satan's world? It sure is. That's Satan's world. And so when we think that the world's not getting darker and more evil and that, and that Satan's power is not so evident, let's open our eyes. This is the world that Satan has made. He is the god of this age. And how successfully he has interjected his philosophies into the minds of rising generations in our world. <clears throat> when the United States made the Supreme Court decision that evolution must be taught but not creation, they said they were staying neutral. It was not neutrality, it was hostility. They had been hostile against creation science. So, very obviously, Satan has control. I'm not going to say anything about Canada, but in the United States, the, uh, the teachers' organization of the United States, educational system, which has joined as a great union, is perhaps one of the most liberal organizations in the country. And therefore, they are pushing to a tremendous degree this idea of teaching these kinds of explanations for our world to our boys and girls. Now, why do, why do these men push so hard? Why, 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 why are they so determined 
to make evolution fact and to make geology as they teach it fact. Why are they so sure? Let me give you the words of Sir Arthur Keith. He was one of Britain's greatest scientists. And Sir Arthur Keith wrote, Evolution is unproved and unprovable. But the only alternative is special creation. And this is totally unacceptable and even unthinkable. Sir Julian Huxley gave a very similar statement. He said, we cannot prove evolution, but the only alternative is unthinkable. What's the alternative? God. Now, you'll have to keep that in your mind. And I'm going to repeat that. You're going to have to keep that in your mind. Here are people who begin with a presupposition. They come to this whole question. They come to this whole investigation. With this, a presupposition is something that you've made up your mind about before you've even seen the evidence. Okay? They say that they're objective. They, science says they're objective. They don't, they don't have presuppositions. But this is a presupposition which they have. No God. They dismiss God from his own creation. And if you dismiss God from his own creation, then you can have almost anything. Then, then they can accept theories that uh, uh, on any other ground, in any other field, would never be accepted. But they are accepted in this particular field because they have to have an answer. They have to have an explanation. And if God is not the explanation, there must be some other explanation to give. Now, in the United States, again, let me go back to that. That's the last I'll say about that country. In the United States, there are um, <clears throat> about 10% of the population in a recent poll said they believed in evolution in its uh, naturalistic form. No God. Uh, all came about by evolution. Um, there's 90% left. If only 10% of the country believes in in the naturalistic theory of evolution without God, then there's 90% left. But of the 90% who are left, 45% believe God is the God used evolution as his method. That's called theistic evolution. So, it, still in the United States, there are about 45% of the people who, who who believe in a creator God, and he made it all. And I don't know how many of them are Christians. Certainly, a good number of them are. Now, we're going to look uh, very quickly at uh, that what we're doing here is not only a 